Hello and welcome to the Essendon People Podcast, an unofficial Essendon Football Club supporter podcast. Hosted by Brendan and Mark, Essendon People is a podcast for those who live and breathe Aussie rules and the Mighty Bombers. From the casual fan to the hardcore supporter, if you have the red and black in your heart, then Essendon People is the podcast for you. Thank you for joining us. Let's Let's start start the pod. pod. Six preview for the Anzac Day clash against Collingwood. Brendan, how's the week been? Uh, it's been it's been a good week there. Um, you know, just enjoying some time to kind of take a stock take of how we've gone in the year, and kind of looking forward to Anzac Day. Hopefully, uh, a good win against the an arch enemy. What about you, Mark? Yeah, much the same. I've been enjoying reading the. Uh, all the, the articles and seeing little clips and stuff of the Anzac Day lead-up. It's always a, a bit of an exciting week um, for a big game. So, yeah, that's been enjoyable to to, to read up on and, and watch. Um, we are releasing this podcast a little bit later um, this week due to some other commitments uh, earlier in the week, but uh, we'll probably be back to our normal, normal uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning kind of release time next week. So we'll dive into... Uh, the game against Brisbane. We'll spend a little bit of time on it, and then um, and then focus on the Anzac Day one ahead. That's a bit closer. So uh, the result wasn't great. It was a it was a wet day, um, wet night up at the Gabba. Uh, Brisbane fifteen twelve one hundred and two to Essendon six nine forty five. So really uh, pretty well blown away there on, on the scoreboard, particularly in, in a wet game. What did you make of the stats? Yeah, well, I guess overall. The uh, total disposals were, you know, not too bad. It was only uh, minus 26 uh, to us. But I thought an interesting way was the the composition of those things. So Brisbane had, you know, 53 more kicks than we did, and we had 27 more handballs. I think that was probably indicative of uh, our game plan that we want to play is that forward handball type game plan. But us being a younger side, and and not recognising that in wet weather, some you just got to kick it long, get it forward as quick as you can, and that cover contributed a little bit to us uh, turning it over. Uh, positive was we were in the plus for tackles with eighteen more than Brisbane, but again Brisbane had a lot more of the ball, and in wet conditions you would expect it to be a lot of tackling there. Uh, we were down by forty three marks again, probably because we weren't kicking the ball a lot. We, couldn't uh, really mark it. Um, scoring shots was obviously a big deficit, <laughs> you know, 15, 12 to 16, 6, 9, so minus 12. I guess the, uh, the the key stat for me was that disposals per goal. So, you know, for every goal that Brisbane kicked, it took them a little over 25 disposals to get it. And for us, it took us almost 60. So, there's a lot of stuffing around and obviously it was a lot of hard graft working the ball up the field for us to get it. What yeah. about you, Mark? Yeah, I thought I just saw that stat there on the page. I, I didn't know that, but that's um that one really stands out, the disposals per goal. Yeah, have, having to touch the ball sixty times before you generate a goal is um is pretty telling. So um well we might jump into the good, bad and ugly. So we'll start with the good. Um I thought overall as much as we got blown away and it was all over pretty early, like, it, you know, being four goals down in the first quarter in those conditions was the equivalent of being probably eight goals down. So, But I thought 
uh, particularly the young kids still showed a lot of promise and got some valuable experience playing in that those conditions, which you don't see often. And in a game where you get blown away, it can it can sometimes be the young guys, the inexperienced guys that sort of get taken hold of. But I, I thought they held up um, really well. And I, I guess out of that group, um, you know, Cox keeps improving. And I think it was Archie Perkins' best game. So he had uh, uh, some really great experience, I guess, playing in the midfield and coming up against Lockie Neal, who's the, the reigning Brownlow medalist. And um, although not been in great form at the start of the year, really hit his straps uh against us uh the form maker Essendon. so um yeah no i thought i thought that was good what what else did you find was uh, a good takeaway or positive takeaway from the game yeah i thought um going on the younger players look zach reed in his first game was uh was quite good there's he's as we've said i think a few times on the podcast he's quite skinny but he uh he played against guys like um uh Danaher, he was on hipwood McStay. they're all physical players, senior bodies. And I guess it was good to kind of see him up against someone like Hipwood, who kind of gets criticised for being a little bit skinny himself. You could see Hipwood had a big size difference on Reed. So it just goes to show how much that, especially with these big key position players, they just need the years of development to put size on, to put muscle on. But he wasn't overawed by the contest. He um, got a couple of nice balls in, uh, didn't get bullied around too much. Um, tough, tough game to judge in the wet there. So uh, that was, you know, it was a good debut. As you said, Perkins, I thought, played one of his better games. Um, pe- some people may criticise that he played on Neil, and Neil was probably close to Brisbane's best player. But with young players in a game like that, it's a bad experience. It's about what, you know. You get the games experience of playing the game, but you might get two or three extra games on top of that just by playing on a good player, seeing what they do, seeing what you know, make, make what's good for you, what's bad for them, that type of thing. So I really thought that was a good thing. And um, I, I thought with Perkins actually, just it it was a wet game, so it was not not the best game for someone to demonstrate their skills. But uh, he was in the right spot a lot of times, and there was a lot of times that I felt like had it been dry. You know, he, he might have had a real standout game. I thought he had an excellent game anyway, but I thought if that condition was dry, there was a lot of times where, you know, he just, just couldn't quite, you know, get the ball one touch because it was wet, which was the same case for everyone. So I thought that game in the dry, given the positioning that he was managing to get in to always get in the right spot and to follow up and run past for the, for the second give and stuff like that, I, I thought that game in the dry could have been um, something even bigger. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, I feel like he's really building. Um, I know that's sort of uh, weird to say after only two or three games, but um, you can see his confidence every week going up. Yeah, I agree. And I think the uh, the other thing I really wanted to highlight was uh, was Kyle Hooker. Right, he's just been uh, such a um, focal point for our forward line this year. I think he's fourth in the Coleman. I think he's you know he's averaging like. Two or three goals a game, which is which is pretty decent. Um, not he competes in the air, but what's really impressed me this year is the follow up work that he's been doing. So once the ball hits the ground, he's pressuring the defenders, he's blocking, he's bumping, he's kind of tapping the ball out to the smaller players. He's doing all those little things that you a guy that you know at his age and you know with his mobility, he's had a number of issues with his back and his hip. Um, it kind of looked like he was struggling a bit last year, but obviously 
There's a lot of talk in the preseason that he's worked really hard to get fit, um, overcome those injuries. And it's those, uh, it's those little things that um, football supporters, when you watch closely, you say, oh, wow, he's had an amazing game, but they don't show up on the stats seat. But they're the, mm-hmm. they're the big things that I think he's done really well this year. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been enjoyable to watch him. And do you think, just quickly on Hooker, could he go on another year the way he's playing at the moment? Early to call, but early to call. We'll see how his body's going. But he's playing like this. He uh, he most certainly can, uh, especially as a forward. I know there was a lot of talk uh, that he was going to play back in the preseason. Hurley was going to play forward, and then obviously, with obviously with Hurley's injury, they had to throw him forward there. But um, he certainly could, and especially if he got a bit of help there. And I, we brought Peter Wright in to be, you know, that second key forward, but he's been spending time in the ruck. So it's been, you know, young Harry Jones getting getting a beating there physically. And um, kind of, But Jones is also pushing further up the ground to create the place. So There's not really – Hooksy really playing really deep. I know Stringer's come in, but Stringer, you know, spends a lot of time in that, in that set of clearance thing and then pushes forward. So he's not – the forward deep down there. So if we, if we got a bit of help there for Wooksy, I could definitely see him playing a valuable role into the future. And it might even be that he doesn't play in a state. He just plays in Victoria. Or we kind of use him as a swing man the other way. Or is it, he's, he's traditionally been a defender who swings forward. Maybe we have him as a forward who swings back. And, you know, he does a lot of the ruck work in the forward 50 as well, which I think is a tactic that allows us to play the ruckman that one kick behind outside 50 so they can kind of be there for the release mark. But so he's doing a lot of work, Hooksy, for, for a bike at, at his stage of his career. Yeah. Something else that we thought was good as well, I guess, is a bit of a minor one, but we've knocked off – we had the back-to-back interstate games, which means that we've knocked off three interstate games now out of the first five rounds. So that means we've only got – three left for the year. So uh, we play another one in the not too distant future against GWS, I think. But then after that, it's a pretty solid run uh, that's uh, literally in home. So um, yeah, knocked off, knocked off a few. So that's good. Uh, On to the bad. I think the pretty obvious one is we didn't adapt to the wet conditions and it's been a bit of an ongoing thing for the Essendon Football Club, I guess. You can't really, probably ironically this week, the last time I can really picture us doing well in the wet is when Zarakis kicked the goal and that uh, was at the the rainy end of an Anzac Day game. I'm not sure whether it was wet all day or not, but um, that's really the last time I can picture us celebrating in the wet. Yeah, yeah, and that was, um, geez, that was Zach's second game now and he's what, he's played more than 200 there. Um, yeah, it's been, it's, it's nothing you can really say about why we play poorly in the wet. It's not like it's a it's just something that just, for whatever reason, we continually struggle in it a little bit. This year, I think, with uh, a lot of younger players in the side, that's you can point to that. But sometimes you just kind of got to get the ball forward. And I was talking before about the handballs and the kicks, the differences between them. Brisbane obviously play a lot of football in the wet because in Queensland, you, sometimes you get those uh, – wet summers there and a lot of their games at night, the Gabra's quite dewy as well. So the use of the ball skidding on a bit. So they get a bit of practice at that. And obviously maybe something at the hangar when it rains, they go inside and they train inside. They don't maybe get as much experience handling the wet ball or doing drills like that. So that might be something there, but um, yeah, I think it's too long a bow to draw finite uh, reasons why we're, we're doing that. But one thing I think, we really want to talk about was 
not bad. It was Jordan Ridley. He's obviously had a uh, had a concussion. There was actually it was seemingly a little bit of an innocuous hit. He got he did get hit, but then there was a lot of commentary like, "What? Where's he going? What's happening? Why isn't he there?" So he didn't really find out until you know after half time that he was actually concussed there. So he obviously misses with the mandatory twelve um, day concussion protocol. But uh, we saw on the club website there that he's back in training, just doing some laps and stuff, and they'll build him up in the next week. But he'll be a uh, he'll be sorely missed. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to think that a player who's played, you know, some probably less than forty games, I think it is that um, yeah, it's such a massive out for us, and he looked genuinely gutted as well. But uh, yeah, we missed uh, on Anzac Day for sure. Um, another one in the bad category was, I guess, in terms of the opposition players, we really let Lockie Neal and Daniel Rich just play their own game and just dominate, particularly, uh, I mean, Neal obviously is going to accumulate a lot of the ball when he's playing midfield, but Daniel Rich off halfback, just, we just didn't, like, it's very well known that he's the give-to guy who, who then carries the ball and um, and is a good kick up the field. And we just seemed to let him go. Like, it, at no point did there seem to be anyone close to him. I think there's been a bit of talk that, you know, maybe that was Devin Smith's responsibility to play as a defensive forward on him. I don't know. Like he probably wasn't on him all, all game. But I, I guess someone, and they probably had to start with the, the coaches, really had to identify that that was happening and that we would, weren't paying him enough respect, I think, just in – in short, so yeah, just seeing those guys kind of get off the chain a bit, it's a bit of an ongoing theme. You can't keep all the players down every week, but I think there's certainly more we could have done to stop, in particular, Daniel Rich um, off the half-back line. Yeah, he's a real barometer for Brisbane, Rich. When he plays well, they play well, you know? Like, he's, a, he's obviously, is you know, a veteran now. He's been around a long time, Rich, there, but... He his kicking has always been his weapon there, and they've kind of played him as a midfielder, played him forward. But that halfback role has really come into play now, especially with this um, this stand the mark rule. His ability to kick over over players, over contests, get that you know the big stat now is meters gained. They were talking a lot about it in the broadcast about how many meters gained he got, and like that's. Meters game, I don't think is as important as what people say it is because you know you're playing forward and you kick six goals. You've had zero meters game because you're playing forward. So um, yeah, I think it's it definitely was one of the you know top three players on the ground, Rich, and you know just had to kind of be a bit smarter. Uh, um, the last one is probably uh, Lincoln McCarthy. We made him look like a really good player. Like, I know we've commented in the past about how. Return guys, you know, career performances against us there. But he was um, he was playing like Darren Buick there. We made him look like a real superstar. And, you know, Buick was an absolute jet. But he was he was taking hangers on people. He was kicking snags. He was setting people up, you know. And he's been an okay player for Brisbane since he's come across from Geelong where he had a lot of injuries. But he had he had one night out of the back. I think he had like 11 marks or something like that. He was – um, I'm sorry – Four marks and eleven tackles. So he had a really uh, influential, um, influential game. I thought. Yeah, it was something that was really frustrating to watch. I mean, you can't keep them all down, but um, when someone like that, he, yeah, he was playing as if it was completely dry conditions too. It was just, it just was one out of the box, and we didn't seem to get on top of him. But um, I guess that's going to happen uh, from time to time. On to the ugly. 
that margin is just too much to concede in wet conditions. It it blew out early and it continued to blow out and it just w- would have been particularly ugly if it was dry, um, potentially, with the way that they were playing. So, uh, yeah, did, you shouldn't be losing by that much and conceding that much straight away in the game. You know, to be to be five goals down very early in the game leave you a very little chance to to come back. So um yeah that that was that was one that was uh was was pretty ugly to watch. Uh, what about what else do we have there in the ugly, Brendan? Oh uh, well I think the fact that we are uh, obviously playing against Danaher for the first time, we just I think I think it might have been Aaron Francis came and shook his hand before the start of the bounce. There was no well, this is kind of a, a criticism we've had for a while. We have nobody in the side that wants to put physical pressure on, wants to engage in, you know, a battle. You know, we have no have no guys that are prepared to make the opposition feel uncomfortable, you know. We often, you know, talk about how we were, we were blessed but maybe cursed that, you know, that, that 2000 side was this kind of how we've, uh, we judge football going forward because that was kind of in our formative years there. But that side had, you know, Dean Solomon, Damien Harwick, Dean Wallace, and Mark Johnson in that in that back line there. And they would just terrorise blokes. Like, you know, even someone like Mark Johnson, who was a small defender, he would have absolutely bashed Danaher within an inch of his life. And he would and we just didn't have it. And like Joey had a really good game. He's really influential. Had, you know, twenty-five mar- at disposals, eight marks. You know, it was involved both ends of the ground with five score involvements and nine intercepts. Rucked a little bit there. Uh, the goals he kicked late were just kind of like, I didn't really think that they were too impactful in the course of the game there. But the fact that we didn't have anyone get stuck into him and physically made his stay a bit hard, you know, the guy tried to leave the club twice, right? And we don't, you don't get stuck into him. It's just, you know... It's just disappointing to see, and that's something we've talked about this a bit often. Like how Rutten said, how he wants to, you know, get blue collar guys that are prepared to play the Essendon way and all that. Well, the Essendon way should be, you know, modelled after the most successful era in the football club, and that was having a back line full of really rugged guys that made it difficult, and you didn't want to play against Essendon because. None of them were going to beat you on the scoreboard. They're going to beat you physically, and that we, you know, and that's what we lack. We lack a killer instinct. We've got a soft underbelly, and have had for a while. And it's I think it's about time we start recruiting some guys just to uh, get a bit of a harder edge. What do you think? Yeah, I, I fully agree. The only guy to really smash down here in a tackle, and not to say we had to go after him, you know, but if there was an opportunity to smash him, then that, it was it was the night to do it. And the only guy to do that was Zach Reed in his first game. So um, I, I would have expected, you know, some of those guys who who have a bit more going them, like a Mason Redman or someone like that. It was it was time for someone like that to stand up and stamp a bit of authority. And it just didn't happen at all at any stage in the game. I understand that they're all probably still mates and after the game, that's fine. But for two hours, there should have been a, a bit of an example set and there wasn't. So that was yeah disappointing, I agree. Um, we kind of touched on a few key players already, so we'll, we'll go over it fairly quickly. But Lockie Neal, we already mentioned, 38 disposals. He just dominated. Hugh McCluggage was one that we mentioned uh, in last week's um, preview show, and he had 32 disposals, got forward, kicked a goal. Like we said, you know, he has a, has a bit of a knack of doing. Daniel Rich, we mentioned, with 31 disposals off half-back. 
Lincoln McCarthy, we've already mentioned, who was um, made to, uh, he's probably signed a five year contract extension after that game. And Joe Danaher was the other one we mentioned. And I, fair, I think it's fair to say this, this is probably the last time that uh, we'll talk about uh, Joe Danaher on, on the podcast, unless we're playing, unless we're playing against Brisbane again later in the year or next year or what have you. So um, it's probably good to get that game out of the way, really, in a way. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, just to, I do, we do want to follow up. This is an ugly. This might even be a, uh, a super ugly. Um, the commentary. Uh, we copped it the week before with the uh, the second coming of Buddy, uh, and we uh, and this week we had it with 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 Danaher there. You know, it's um, geez, like every time, like as soon as we flick it on, you know, and it's like it's a Channel Seven game. It's like, oh no, what are you? Geez, like I don't. It's almost at the stage where you gotta you gotta turn it off <laughs> and just watch the game in silence, or try and you know pair it up with the radio there because it's just it's un it's unbearable almost. And like I want to give a little drive by here to Foxtel as well. Like you know I understand it's all part of the agreement there, but we pay for Foxtel, and then I got to watch Channel Seven broadcast through Foxtel. It's like oh, it's so frustrating. I deliberately don't watch games on the Channel 7 channel, and this is, as Mark will know, is a long-time grudge that I've held because they made us, uh, you know, back in the day, the games were delayed so uh, people could watch, uh, you know, Better Homes and Gardens. So as a little personal thing, I uh, I intentionally watch it through the Foxtel channel. Uh, but, yeah, it's, geez, it's, uh, they really got to lift their, uh, lift their um, quality of commentators because it is just... It's yeah, it certainly isn't uh, Dennis Committee or Sandy Roberts. Let me tell you one that. Of, one of the uh, one of the better things about getting these away games or interstate games out of the way, like we said earlier, is that we can actually go to the footy now in Melbourne and not have to listen to Luke Darcy commentate it. So it'll be, uh, it'll, be it'll be nice to sit in the stands and and uh, make of it what you want yourself, rather than hearing uh, Luke Darcy, the Essendon hater. I didn't want to say his name. It was it's like it's like the Harry Potter with Voldemort. He he uh he cannot be named. It was just uh bloody he's that bloke, Fennigan. He's um yeah. Look, uh, there's a reason why he's not on uh not on Triple M anymore. So uh... uh, and with that, we'll move on to our uh, Essendon People Podcast Player of the Year Award or the Heath Hocking Medal, as we've dubbed it. So. Um, I might start with mine this week and I, I might go the opposite way. I might go from one through to five. So um, the one vote I gave to Aaron Francis, um, I thought, you know, he's not the he's not the most flashy of players all the time. And I, I more look at his sort of, you know, his one, 1% kind of efforts and the small things he does. So he, I thought he played pretty well on the 1%. As he had 10 of those and he had 10, 10 intercepts and he was getting flooded with the ball um, in that game. So I thought he did a, a good job standing up again. He's taken a lot more responsibility this year and, and done a good job of it. The two votes I gave to Nick Hind, um, I thought he just played another really solid game, 23 disposals and 10 intercepts. It's, uh, you know, can't ask for much more than that from a guy that's playing on halfback, um, new to the team. Three votes I gave to Zach Merritt. He had... 35 disposals, so, um, you know, a lot of people applaud, you know, Flocky Neal, but Zach Merritt nearly had equally good a game on paper. So, um, yeah, I thought I thought Zach played well. Four votes I gave to Kyle Hooker. You touched on it earlier. Like, what more can you ask for, for in a game where we only kick, um, you know, a handful of goals? He's kicked four of them, so um, he really held us together up forward. 
And the five votes I gave to Andrew McGrath, who I thought was a guy who really stood up. Um, he's probably had a bit of a quietish couple of weeks by his standards, and he had their disposals. Twelve tackles, I thought, was the main the main stat. He just, you know, the tackles often really shows the effort that's uh, being output. So I, I thought he really um, bounced back and and played a good game. So he got my five votes. Um, Brendan, over to you. What what were your votes? Yes, yeah, so I'll go in reverse order as well. So I gave, actually gave a vote to Archie Perkins there. Now, we talked a, a fair bit about him before, but I thought, you know, 20 disposals, four inside 50, six score involvements. You know, I thought it was pretty good. There was that there was that one kick inside 50 where he just fluffed it off his boot in the wet conditions. And I thought, you know, you know, maybe maybe a bit lucky considering he played on Neil in that second half and Neil got a fair bit of it, but... I wanted, you know, young player. I thought the positives kind of outweighed the negatives, and you know, so I gave him the one vote. Uh, Zach Merritt, I gave the two votes. As you said, played played really well in the wet. You know, thirty five disposals there, seven clearances, dropped back into the back line a fair bit to help out. Had uh, had nine intercept possessions, so I thought that he had a good game. Uh, as you said before, with Andy McGrath, I had him the three votes just. Defensively in the middle, as I agree with you, those 12 tackles really um, really showed that he was really uh, working hard defensively, and that's obviously something that I've been critical in, in the past about midfielders not working hard enough defensively, and, and I'll give him the uh, three votes for that. Uh, the four votes I gave to Aaron Francis. I thought he had a really good game, especially considering he was the most experienced defender out there. Um, you know, Ridley goes down injured. You know, Laverde's playing some good football, but, you know, he's kind of more of a lockdown at the moment. Young Zach Reed's in there. He really, I thought, a lot of his direction and marshalling of, of plays and what was tough tough conditions, a lot of ball coming in there, and he was on, he was out, outsized by all of his opponents. So I thought he had a really good game that, that went unnoticed. And then the five votes to, to Kyle Hooker. You know, took them before, just the presence. Kicked, kicked four goals, one... In a, in, a, in a game where we kicked, what, six goals, nine, I thought he was pretty influential on the on the outcome of the game. Yeah, quite quite similar votes for us this week, which, um, yeah, probably shows that those yeah, those main sort of five or six guys really really stood out this week. So um, with that, we might go to a quick break and we'll come back with a bit of VFL, VFLW and just general club news. So we'll uh, be back after the break. Um, after watching a handful of games. So our our ruck situation, uh, obviously not ideal with Draper going down. And since then, we haven't elected to bring in a, a dedicated uh, ruckman from the VFL. And we've since taken um, Peter Wright, I guess, from the forward line and played him as a as a full-time ruckman. So uh, I guess, it, does it highlight that we need more than three legitimate ruckmen on a list or is it more of a case of that maybe we should have bought in, you know, Phillips or Brian or um, I don't know how we've, you know, Wright sort of done what he can and competed what he can, but um, he really wasn't bought into the team to do that role. Yeah. Um, I guess traditionally we've, we've always had four, four ruckmen there. So like all three of those guys you just mentioned on the list last year, along with, uh, with Tom Bell Chambers there. I guess the uh, with COVID there, they've reduced list sizes uh, by a couple of players. So that may be they've decided uh, you can't really carry four Ruckman if, you've, if everyone's fit 
some guys are going to be, you know, resting forward. Um, but I guess we've just been unlucky that, you know, uh, Phillips was injured in the preseason and wasn't quite ready to go straight away. And obviously with Draper there, because you think if Phillips was fit, um, he would have come straight into the side. Uh, Brian has been developing quite nicely in the VFL. Um, I think he's just physical development is not quite it's not quite there yet, and they're a bit bit worried about playing the him as a ruckman being a little bit underdeveloped, but. We're playing Nick Cox and Harry Jones, having them pitch hit in the rack. And from what I see, they're, they're both the same as Brian, maybe a bit skinnier. So I, I, I don't know. I guess they may be saying not having a full-time ruckman. I think three ruckmen going into going forward will work well if we've got guys that can, you know, play continually and pinch hit and stuff. But we've just been unlucky with a bit of injury. Some, even someone like James Stewart, you know, going down, he could have rucked in the past. Paddy Ambrose has rucked for us in the past there, you know. And both of them are not ideal, but I guess they've shown that they've been able to give a bit more than than what um Peter Wright has. So, um, yeah, I don't know if we add another one. Uh, we've got a, got a lot of young developing players on the list that are quite tall with me, you know, Kim McBride, Zach Reed, you know, those guys, you know, you'd hopefully train them up a little bit to pinch hit. But I think at the moment, Draper's going to be the guy going forward. Brian looks like he might be the number two. So it's just about, do we get a third senior player like Phillips or do we get another kid? Or I think that might be something that all clubs will tactically, it'll be interesting to see where they go in terms of the composition of their list. Yeah, just on, on the ruck, I think I'd, I'd like to see before Draper comes back, which is, you know, any anywhere between, I don't know, sort of circa six weeks or something like that, I think. But um, before he comes back, I think we need to find an opportunity where we can debut Brian. I think the good opportunity was against St Kilda. And I, I think just the year that we're having, it's a development year. We've debuted a lot of players. Early on in the year, I think, man, you had a discussion and we were more for getting those guys' development through the VFL. But Having seen kind of the youth policy we're going with and play the kids, um, I, I think it's definitely important that Brian debuts before Draper comes back and takes hold of that position again. It's it's the perfect opportunity to to get him in and, and give him a give him a chance. So, but to see that um, our key defender situation is still probably ongoing until Stewart comes back, which is pretty imminent. But we seem to, I guess, not be able to settle on. Uh, you know, Zach Reid debuted this week. Um, you know, you'd think he would stay in the side and they wouldn't just take him out after one game. So where that leaves Zerk Thatcher, you know, he might be a little bit fortunate through the, the concussion of Ridley. But that key defender situation, who's that last key defender? Um, you know, which would have been different if, you know, Stewart and Hurley didn't have injuries and maybe Ambrose as well. But that's going to be an interesting one to watch play out over the, the next part of the season, I guess, as well. And what's really hurt us with that has been obviously COVID last year and in not getting some younger guys to play in the VFL. It's like, you know, someone like, you know, um, Keen McBride could have had a full year developing in the VFL as a key defender. Guys like Cody Brand, Zachary, they could have had a full year in the, you know, in the NAB League developing as key defenders there. So those guys, we just kind of, I think we said it before, we're about three years away of being in a really, really good position with key defenders. Unfortunately, at the moment, we've got 
a group of really young key defenders and we've got a group of more older key defenders. Uh, Ambrose and Hurley have both been injured. Hooksy's forward by necessity. So there's that in the middle, that, you know, void of players who can play there. That's why we've kind of put Stewart back. We've put Laverde back. You know, Francis is not really playing his, the role that he's best suited to, but he's just filling in because we kind of got that dearth of players in that, in that middle age group. So um, I think it's just about doing the best we can. Uh, but once Ambrose and Stewart are fit to come back, I would be bringing them back in. I think, you know, I talked last week or the week before how, how much I value Paddy Ambrose uh, as a player and he'd be one I'd certainly look to be bringing back in. So, um, so yes, yeah. so I guess what with, I think we'd focus on um, – have, we've had a couple of big losses to obviously to Brisbane and Port Adelaide there, and I guess kind of wanting to hope that the coaches are trying to look to generate positivity out of those losses. You can learn a lot of a lot of things about um, about how to play as a young side in those losses. So examples like we said, we played Archie Perkins on um, Lockie Neal. You know that meant that Lockie Neal probably got more of the ball than what he would have if we had played someone more experienced there, but. You've got to kind of get the positives out of the losses. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I fully agree. And uh, you mentioned the two big losses that we had were Port Adelaide and Brisbane, and they're two predicted top four contenders. So um, we never, you know, we never went into those games thinking that we were a chance kind of thing. So, um, you know, despite the form of Brisbane going in, they've still got a good list. Um, you know, and it shows even in the VFL result, you know, they have a lot of players available. So um, I awfully agree that it sounds like, and I think that I think that the club would be doing that. It sounds like this year is all about, you know, positivity and moving forward and building culture and stuff like that. So I think everything I've seen so far, um, you know, from the coaching group, from the players, even on the players' social media, how often they get around each other and have dinner together and spend time together and whatever, like, I think, I feel like there has been a bit of a step in the right direction in that respect. So um, where last year and the year before, maybe in the year before that, I feel like after a big loss, there might've been maybe some internal blow-ups and stuff. I'm not sure how much that would be happening now. So yeah, hopefully um, hopefully that's the message that's coming through uh, despite the, the numbers on the scoreboard at the moment. Um, I guess... I guess on that, when we spoke just briefly on it before, you know, whilst winning is the best feeling, um, I think that this year is definitely about development and we've had a good opportunity to play younger players and we've had five debutants in five weeks. You know, last week we saw all three of our big, you know, top 10 uh, draftees last week playing the same game, which if you had have asked me at the start of the year, would that happen? Um, I would have doubted whether it happened this year and I've, Certainly wouldn't have expected it to happen within the first month or so. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to say that maybe I got it wrong when we were talking earlier in the in the season, the lead up to the season, saying that we would prefer development. Whilst I still think there's benefit in that, I can see the benefit that they've got by giving these kids a go as well. So, um, yeah, I think that taking those opportunities to keep getting games into kids uh, is good as long as it's managed with a bit of experience thrown in so that they're not sort of, uh, left to the wolf. So, um, yeah. What What have you made of uh, of that? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think I I wouldn't say that we were 
you or we were wrong in saying that development should be the priority, and I and I agree it should be. Um, the VFL is actually a good good place to develop young tools, you know, because you're playing against senior, you know. Perkins is already physically a man. He's, he's not really going to develop much more than what he already is. But Zachary's going to develop a hell of a lot more than what he is. And, you know, and he can play in the VFL where the pace is a bit slower, play against guys that maybe aren't as good. But big thing being an 18-year-old playing against a guy that's 26. You know, physically, that's a that's a massive difference. So the VFL for key position players, I think, is still a good route to – uh, get them to build up physically, but also to learn how to play as a as a player at, at AFL level. Um, I think that we should look to rest some of those guys at certain points in time when they look a bit sore or, you know, maybe after a hard week this week, you've been on the road for two weeks in the wet, maybe some guys might be carrying little things. You know, if there are more senior players, you'd probably back them in to get that right. Uh Especially when we've got guys like, you know, Ambrose and Stewart, if they're fit, I'd be backing in more mature bodies over the, the younger bodies, give them the week's rest, you know, they maybe even just playing for half in the VFL, get them through a game, that type of thing. Just being a little bit smarter. Uh, yeah. with. So I think the, the last thing I think we wanted to talk about was um, we kind of talked talk about it a few times over the podcast is the, uh, is the mid-season draft. And you know, obviously, we're we've only won the one game for the year, yeah. So, um, and with the you know the list spot available and potentially more with early, um, that it should be should be looking to target some players. Uh, I wouldn't really want to target any guys that are you know would come plug in and play right now that are mature age, you know, fill a hole type thing. I, I, I'd really like to be uh, trying to identify some kids that, you know, maybe didn't would have nominated last year, didn't get identified because, you know, they couldn't play some games, but if, as a 19-year-old have shown a bit in the in the NAB League or the VFL, the Waffle, Sandful, and maybe pick the eyes out of a couple of those plays that we can kind of look at long-term. I guess kind of like how we've done with, with Kane Baldwin there. Guy is obviously talented player, had some injuries, but it's something there. We've picked him up as a supplementary player. I don't think there's much intention for him to play this year, maybe not even play VFL this year. But there's something there that we think that we can recruit and we're being strategic in uh, in making selections. I hope we we make use of that ourselves in the mid-season draft. Yeah, we're hovering around that bottom five part of the ladder. It's, um, you know, we can look at that as a real opportunity, I guess, that we're going to have, you know, a top five pick at some of the best talent going around uh, come mid-year, so... That'll be yeah. uh, in the C. Um, On to the VFLW. Round seven was against Williamstown, um, and the girls had a win by 30 points. Um, so it was 45 to 15. Um, six goals, nine, 45 to two goals, three, 15. Um, the next game is against Collingwood, which is at the hangar uh, on Sunday um, at 11 o'clock. So um, people can potentially do the, do the double there, go straight from the hangar to the MCG and watch... Uh, hopefully two two Essendon wins. So um, I can't remember exactly where the girls are on the ladder. Sorry, but they're going quite well. Yeah, so uh, we're second on the ladder and I think Collingwood a third. So it's uh, potentially, you know, the old eight-point game, get a big win against an opposition uh, rival there. You know, we've, I've 
we've done it again there. I think I mentioned last week there that we uh, same to uh, fourth fourth quarter specialists there. We kick a number of our goals. I think we kicked you know three goals too in that last quarter there. So um, it's really good. I think we mentioned it before. It's really good to see the girls. They fight it out to the final siren. They're always looking for opportunities to to put pressure on, and that's something that um the the AFL and the VFL boys could really look to, and you know really fighting it out till till the final siren. Yeah, they're going along going along awesome at the moment. Um, onto the VFL that you just mentioned. So we had the season proper started uh, in the afternoon of Saturday just before the main game. So um, they played in sort of hot muggy sort of damp conditions almost um, against the Brisbane the Brisbane uh, second side and had a bit of a heavy loss. So uh, Essendon was 5-8-37 and Brisbane 15-13-103. So similar kind of scoreline, I guess, to, to the main game. Yeah, so I think we only had 10 AFL-listed players play this game and Brisbane, I think it was like 19 or 20. So they've got a lot of... Um, they got a pretty healthy injury list, so a lot of their AFL-listed guys are playing there. I think they also have the advantage of some of the um, – they can play their academy players in, in these games. So they've got to obviously can identify talented Queensland boys that are in their zone. They can bring straight in and play. And then they obviously, with the new competition, have been able to pick the eyes out of some of the better state-based players in Queensland as well. So – um, I think we mentioned last week with our guys, it's going to be a lot of guys that have, um, have AFL listed, haven't made the first team, a small handful of experienced VFL players and then a whole bunch of young kids. So I think that was kind of where we got exposed there a little bit, just the general overall experience and quality of the people on the list there. So did you want to run through a couple of the players that played there, Mark? Yeah, if you want to start us off and take us through some of the AFL-listed guys that ran around uh, on the weekend yeah, so, in the AFL. So I'll start with, uh, with Paddy Ambrose. Um, played forward again, got few uh, through a full game. Again, he's just looking to build his his fitness base. Had the 10 disposals, got the six marks. Um, I think he, he'd be close to being able to come in the AFL side if needed. Um, maybe they might want to give him one more week, but, you know, He's a senior player and just don't want to rush him back with his, his history of leg injuries. Uh, Andrew Phillips uh, kind of was a duo with Nick Bryan, rack forward, had the uh, had the 15 disposals, took kicked two goals, had 23 hitouts, you know, played played quite well. Uh, as I said, kind of doubled up with Nick Bryan, who had the uh, had a big day out. He had 27 disposals, 34 hitouts, and five marks. Um, I think that's really positive that each week he's playing better and better and better. Um, so I think we talked about maybe getting him a debut. Maybe we can make it uh, six debutants in six weeks and bring him in this week if we uh, if we want to. Uh, how else have we got there that played on the weekend, Mark? Uh, the next one we've got on the list here is Tom Hurd. So he had 15 disposals, three marks. Um, probably fair to say it was a bit of a tough game for someone like Tom Hurd playing on you know, smart, creative forwards who are probably a bit more experienced than what he is. But uh, nonetheless, I think to rack up 15 disposals, um, you know, very, we, we keep mentioning that, you know, he hasn't played a lot of footy. And I think to be able to find the ball 
the way he is at the moment is a good sign. Um, so it's really the long game with with um, young Tom Hurd. So uh, yeah, he's he's going okay. And Ned Cahill uh, was probably in a bit of a similar boat. He started in defence. Um, he had 14 disposals overall, five marks, four tackles. Um, was moved on to the ball in the second half um, in the midfield there, and was probably one of the better players. So um, yeah, that was that was good to see that he was able to get around the ball a bit more and uh, and stand up in the second half. Tom Cutler had a fair bit of it as well. 29 disposals, uh, 10 marks, one tackle. Um, Disposal efficiency was probably not right up there, but nonetheless found the ball um, a fair bit. So just a typical Tom Cutler game, just accumulated disposals. And he's uh, he's always kind of on the right on the edge there, pushing for a, for a call up when needed. So um, Lachlan Johnson, uh, 14 disposals, eight tackles, which I think is going to be a real constant with Lockie Johnson. He's, um, he's a bit of a defensive beast. So, uh, he competed well in the midfield. Good to see him getting some midfield minutes now and um, sort of getting in there, tackling, winning a few clearances. Uh, the last couple we had there was Josh Air, eight disposals. It was a difficult day for a big key forward, um, you know, skinny key forward maybe we call him, but, um, yeah, difficult day for Josh. And Brendan Zerk Thatcher, 22 disposals, 11 marks, two tackles. So he probably went back to the VFL and did, what was asked of him really um, in a nutshell. So would be, you know, putting his case forward again for selection this week. So the next VFL game is against Collingwood uh, at Victoria Park on Saturday at two o'clock. Um, so the day before the, the Bain AFL Anzac Day game clash, but that, that'll be a ripping game at Victoria Park. A lot of people rave about Vic Park and how great it is to watch footy there. So, um, for anyone that's free on Saturday, that's that's a really great opportunity to go and watch um, to go and watch the Bombers run around. Yeah, yeah. The VFL we've been to a number of games over the years, and it's a it's a really good atmosphere. It's really family friendly. Um, get to see some quality standard of football, uh, especially you know you get to see some of these younger players and see you know it's all about little moments. So oh, that you know we I think we talked we've talked about it a number of times when we went. And we watched Nick Hine when he was playing in our VFL side and he was, you know, constantly providing these little moments of, you know, of bursting off the back flank and you think, oh, wow, this guy could, you know, could do something, have a look at this. And it was a, it was a year or two after that he eventually got drafted. And then um, and then when he was at St Kilda, we're like, oh, okay, well, why, why are you playing up forward? He should half back and he's come back to us and he's, you know, he's playing the role now for us in the senior side. He's playing the same role that you and I saw him play three, four, five years ago, and it's going really well at it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I encourage everyone, if they can, to, to get along there. Definitely. A um, bit of club news. Uh, it was a bit of a milestone uh, today at the time of recording. We uh, had an announcement today that we hit 70,000 members. So I think this shouldn't be understated for – I know there's clubs out there with more members at the moment, but we dropped a lot of members uh, over the last 12 months, you know, whether that was impacted by COVID, maybe a little bit, but I think it was also a lot of disgruntled supporters because other clubs certainly weren't dropping, you know, 18,000 members in a year. So, Yeah, I think it may be a, a bit of a critique of Essendon people might have uh, uh, really uh, irritated a few people. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, the classic quote from uh, from the coach at the time. Um, so that, that was a good result, I think, to get to 70,000 members. Maybe people can 
see uh, see some positives in it and getting around the club, which is good. Um, the AFL also released an update for the fixture for rounds nine and ten. So, did you want to take us through that one, uh, Brendan? Yeah. So, uh, rounds nine and ten were released today. So that was uh, against there was the Fremantle and North Melbourne games. So, so quickly over the next month, we have uh, three home games. Uh, one against Carlton and the, the others against Fremantle North, and we've got that uh, that away game you spoke about earlier, Mark, against GWS. So um, it'll be uh, it'll be good to uh, once we get over the pies, we can maybe stick the knife in Carlton and then uh, maybe get get on the road, get a good win against GWS, and then potentially have a couple of wins against Fremantle and North in Melbourne. Um, it'd be good to uh, I think. I think all three, all four of those games are really winnable, especially those three games uh, that are home games. If we get big, big effort in crowd there, we can, you know, intimidate there. You know, we maybe give uh, Adam Sard a nice welcome on the MCG, and then, um, you know, maybe if things don't go away, that North Melbourne game could be the old, uh, <laughs> the old Bryce Gibbs Cup. It could be, uh, but for the mid-season uh, number one pick. So, uh, no, nah, I think we'll do Just- all right. Just on that North game, do you reckon that the Kangaroos are uh, a bit disappointed that they didn't get – it's Sunday at 4.40 on 23rd of May. Do you reckon the Kangaroos are a bit disappointed that they didn't get a, a blockbuster time slot against their traditional rival? Oh, like they're uh, – I'm not sure if you're aware, Mark, but I'm, they invented Friday Night Football at North Melbourne, you know. Uh, it was all them, you know. Uh, you know They deserve a marquee time slot despite being – Clearly, the worst team in the competition. Uh, they, uh, they AFL, the AFL gifted them uh, fr- uh, Good Friday, and uh, they played two other minnow clubs in St Kilda and the Western Bulldogs, and uh, went that poorly. They had to come to the AFL and said, "Please, please, please, AFL, give us, give us our grand final every year in Essendon." And uh, they finally got a crowd because otherwise it would have been taken off them. I think it was like forty-seven thousand uh, turned up that year, and. Uh, Pretty sure um, 45 of them were us. So, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's um, – I think we've said before, we're their grand final and they're our, you know, just Thursday night takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, with that, we might take another break and we'll uh, get you stuck into the preview of the Anzac Day game after this break. <laughs> They clash against Collingwood um, this Sunday afternoon at the MCG. Um, Brendan, pretty excited for this game. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm very excited. First game, you know, with big crowds, I think it's 85% uh, capacity at the MCG. So um, it'll be, I think it's an, it's an away game for us, but obviously people should be able to get get along there. Um I think and we've got a real chance of a win, <laughs> really. I think it's, you know, I'm not saying that we're uh, we're going to win, but I think, we, you know, we certainly we, I got a chance of doing it. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. I think it's um, certainly within the last few weeks, it's uh, it's one of our better chances on paper um, for a club that's probably, you know, sort of in a similar position as us in terms of um, what, what they're capable of. So it should make for a good game. Um, I'm really excited to... Yeah, to be in a big crowd like that again, and just feel the atmosphere and uh, and uh, be around that, which will be which will be good. Um, yeah, and also 
it being Anzac Day, you know, like it's um it's really it's probably the the national day for for Australia there, and you know it's something that we we've we've been to you know countless ones over the journey there, but to be able to um to be able to pay our respects to to those that have served in the defence forces over the over the years for Australia is something that's really important there, and you know. Uh, a lot of people talk about the pageantry and like the last post and you know the minute silence. You know, I think, but I think something that I always enjoy is when the um, former servicemen drive around the boundary in the cars and everybody in the crowd stands up and applauds and uh, gives them recognition for what they've done. And you know, sometimes you can see the the people who are sitting in the the, the former servicemen who are sitting in those cars, it's really an emotional experience for them to have all these people thank them for what they've done in their lives and what they've done for this country. So, um, yeah, that's obviously, you know, oh, something that's special every year, but especially this year after what we've suffered through COVID, being the first big game we've been able to go back with crowds, you know, I think it'll be extra special. Yeah, well well said. Uh, on to the game, the... Injury lists, uh, Jordan Ridley, we've mentioned already with the concussion, so the mandatory 12-day um, thing. So uh, just on that, I'm I, I'm disappointed that Ridley won't be playing in the side, but um, I think it's a good thing that the AFL brought in. Obviously, concussion's been, been highlighted as an issue, and there's a lot more scientific research around it now, not only in Australia, but international. And um, I think this is a step in the right direction that, you know, while we want Ridley to play Anzac Day, we also don't want him to be uh, affected long term from from a concussion injury. So, um, I think it's a it's a good thing. Although it's disappointing in the short term, I think it's a good long term thing. So, um, other players on the injury list: uh, Cody Brand hurt himself in a VFL practice game. He's probably about another week away from recovering from that rolled ankle. Uh, Dylan Clark, his ankle injury, which is a bit more serious and requires surgery in the off season. Um, He's pretty close to putting his hand up now. Uh, so I believe that he's possibly a test, um, you know, to come in, whether it's this week, next week, not really sure. There probably hasn't been a great deal of updates on Dylan. Um, James Stewart, his hamstring seems to be progressing well, and he is another one that's probably a bit of a test. So I personally doubt that we would see him be putting his hand up for Anzac Day, but hopefully we see him in the frame, I guess, from next week, whether, whether he comes back through the VFL. I mean, based on what um, Ben Rutten said earlier in the year about, you know, guys not just stepping straight back into the team uh, unless they're, you know, fit plus, you know, in form to play. So whether or not he gets a week in the VFL or not will be interesting to watch. Uh, and then some other players who have been on the, on the list a bit longer term, Dylan Steele, we know with the knee, is probably gone for the year. Joy Caldwell, he's sort of in that, three to five weeks away bracket. So he, he's sneaking up on us again. Uh, Sam Draper with that syndesmosis. He's still in the moon boot, but uh, five to seven sort of weeks away. So he's still got a bit of time ahead of him. And we've touched on Michael Hurley a number of times, um, just getting his health right. So not likely to see him. And uh, Irving Mosquito, um, I think he's still taking some time away from the club while he does the rehab on his knee. Uh, he won't be, won't be playing this season. So um, Collingwood, though, have some similar injury problems. Do you want to walk us through those ones? Yeah, they've got some uh, some injuries to some to some pretty handy players there. So obviously, last week was much publicised. Uh, Jordan Goey with the concussion, 
and uh, Jeremy Howe with a hamstring. So, uh, like like Ridley, the goey's uh, out for the mandatory 12 days with a concussion. Uh, Howe's out three to four weeks with the hamstring there. They're both um, really important players to Collingwood. Uh, a lot of people talk up the goey, Howe's a good player, but Howe's the one that, out of those two who's going to be the bigger loss for them. He's top quality um, and he plays highly at a high consistent level. Um, he really is a guy that kind of allows Darcy Moore to kind of play that more attacking as a defender because he can be the guy that intercepts and floats across. So he's a big, big out for Collingwood. Um, I've also got Levi Greenwood here with the concussion. Uh, pretty sure he played last week. Um, not sure. Well, not sure if um, he would have played this week there, but he's obviously a guy they bring in and can do some tagging jobs and, uh, he's been a good player for at both Collingwood and North Melbourne previously. Uh, the big out is uh, is Taylor Adams there. He won their, their best and fairest last year, the Copeland Trophy. He's out with a knee for uh, 10 weeks. Uh, Jamie, Elliott, Jamie Elliott is another player that's um, that's done really well against us in the past. He's he's not there. He's um, 10 weeks. A very difficult matchup there, Elliott. There. He's kind of a small player, but he plays uh, taller, takes a lot of marks, kind of... Uh, uh, a, a real poor, poor man's Brad Johnson there, kind of that similar style of play. And um, and Mark Keane played last week there, and he got suspended. He's an Irish player. He kind of kicked out of the ankle of Josh Kennedy there, who's um, who's missed some time in his career with um, with some anchor injuries and is not playing this week as well. So um, yeah, I don't know if he would have played against us, and I don't know if he's someone that we'd really worry about there. But... Um, you know, this isn't a Collingwood or a West Coast podcast, but I didn't really like, you know, kicking blokes in the ankles from behind. So um, glad he's not out there. Yeah, we uh, we don't need to be seeing that. So um, yeah, and that the injury list uh, from both sides should make up for interesting matchups um, on the ground. So I guess if we run through some of them now, one that's been much talked about is Brody Grundy. Um, we've spoken about our ruck situation, and we've been running with Peter Wright. Um, Grundy's a dominant ruckman. He's been under some pressure this year, but he's running himself into into some form. Um, so I think we, we sort of think the matchup is probably Andrew Phillips. Andrew Phillips done a good job on him last year. Um, he's, he's an experienced big body. Uh, I don't think he'll be pushed off the ball as easily as Wright. Um, Grundy, you know, gives his players first use and we probably need to try and stem that flow a little bit. And I feel like Andrew Phillips is sort of a guy who can go with him uh, run with him around the ground and uh, compete one-on-one as well. We talked about uh, maybe bringing Nick Bryan and playing. Would you be prepared to play Nick Bryan first game, big occasion, Anzac Day, on a star like Brody Grundy? He's just looking to get into some form? Not not for me. No, I think the stage is too big. The opponent's too experienced to... to uh, you know, it's it's too much of a job, I, I think. So while his VFL form warrants it, I think you have to be mindful of of the whole context of, of you know, what he'll be playing against and in what situation. So I think a game like the St Kilda game where they weren't playing their, you know, preferred Ruckman, that would have been the type of game to maybe do it. So, um, you know, probably the week after against like a Carlton or someone like that is probably more of a realistic opportunity or when we play a Frio or... Um, or someone of that kind of nature who maybe doesn't have as 
bigger than Ruckman. Um, plus just the stage too, Anzac Day. If if it doesn't go well, um, it'll be a long two hours uh, for someone in their debut. In, you know, front literally front. For me, no. What about you? Yeah, look, uh, I agree. Especially the spotlight that would be shined on on him if he didn't um didn't play too well. I just kind of think, geez, I hope we bring in Phillips because. You know, Peter Wright, he's proven a couple of weeks now he's not really – he's not a ruckman. Uh, and I, I know he had – I think last week he had 10 one-percenters, one which is pretty good uh, for, a, for a big guy there, just kind of doing the little things that don't go – and kind of go unnoticed there. But, um, yeah, he's not a ruckman. We should bring in a ruckman. As you said, Phillips came in last year and I, I would say kind of beat him, even though Grundy – Stats-wise, had a good game. Uh, Phillips is very, um, I thought, played a, quite a good game. Um, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what they do because I know a couple of years, I, I think three or four years back there, we had uh, had Sean McKernan. We played North Melbourne one game and Toddy Goldstein absolutely destroyed us and destroyed them and it's probably his career best game just because he's playing against a guy that's not a ruckman. <laughs> You know, so you know we've got a history of playing guys in the ruck that are that are not ruckmen. Hello, Matthew Knights. But um, uh, yeah, I would I would really like Phillips to come in. And I think on that we we are saying don't don't bring Phillips in at the expense of Peter Wright. I think I think Andrew Phillips comes into ruck and Peter Wright goes back to his position that he was employed at the club to play in, which is you know that centre half forward kind of position. So. We need to give right consistent games in that position to to show that that's you know where where he should be playing. Um, who else do we have on the list as a as a few matchups for some other players? Yep. So still side bottom was was another player. Uh, side bottom's a legit star of the competition has been for many years. Uh, likes to uh, likes to kick bags against us. Does uh, side bottom there? Grew up an Essendon supporter. So I think maybe that's something that he uh, might carry with him into these games because I think he's won two, maybe two Anzac Day medals against us, and he's just uh, he's a very good player. He's a midfielder, he drifts forward, kicks goals, kind of like we spoke two weeks ago with Luke Parker. It's always it's always good to take an overhead mark in the forward fifty against us and kick a goal. So it's something we've got to kind of look out for. And we kind of went with uh, with Andy McGrath there, as we said before. He's kind of played a defensive role in the midfield a bit. You know, um, kind of trying just trying to find a good matchup for him, um, but I, I guess someone else will be uh, to watch out for is um, is Braden Maynard, uh, kind of someone a little bit off Broadway there. Uh, oh, I've picked him because he's a really aggressive player who's hard as nails and really likes to get stuck into the opposition. It's kind of just one of those guys that you that you hate to play against. And kind of we were talking before against about how we lack guys that have that killer instinct. We, you know, we talk about Dean Solomon, Damien Hardwick, Mark Johnson. He's that type of guy who's just, you know, he's just he's in the side to play good football, but he also just annoys and is really, really um, just a terrible player to play against. Uh, so some he obviously plays as a defender. Potential option could be Devin Smith. Again, he's also a physical player. He likes to engage in a bit of the rough stuff. He's been playing half forward this year a bit. That's kind of maybe a natural matchup. Um, 
you know, wouldn't really want him going to someone like a Waterman, who, whilst he's a bit more older, could maybe deal with it. He's still inexperienced in terms of games and AFL level. Uh, wouldn't want him going near Tipper, something like that. So maybe Devin Smith can kind of go toe to toe with him. Yeah, and th- another one we had uh, on the list here was Darcy Moore. So um, just an in- in- intercept marking machine down back when he plays there, and uh, and he proved to be a bit of a dangerous forward when he went forward last week. So it'd be interesting to see where they line him up. I personally think that they'll start him in defence. That's where he plays his best footy. So I can't see why they wouldn't play him there. Um, if he did, if he did swing forward, maybe we play Zerk Thatcher on him, young athletic player that can have a crack just to go toe to toe. Um, otherwise, I think we're going to sort of struggle to match up on Darcy Moore. I think this week, so um, that's a bit of a bit of a scary prospect. No matter, you know, whether he lines up forward or back. I think if he mm-hmm. if he plays defence and he's on, you know, a Kyle Hooker, I think he's going to have him athletically and be able to run and push off him. Or otherwise, he's going to have to. Uh, uh, we're going to have to try and match him up with with a, you know, a Harry Jones or a Peter Wright or whoever's down there at the time, or you know, Stringer might be a bit short for him. But uh, yeah, Darcy Moore looks like proving to be a bit of a difficult matchup for this game. Yeah, I agree. And I just will just finally touch on a guy that is kind of underrated uh, across the competition. He might even be underrated by uh, by Collingwood supporters there, and that's uh, that's Jack Crisp. You know, he was obviously a part of the trade that saw Dane Beams go to Brisbane initially, and he was obviously on the Brisbane list and came came down as part of that thing. And he's been a very good player. I think he's almost up to the 150 consecutive game marks for Collingwood without um, missing a game there. Uh, he just He's just a guy that comes in every week and he gets the job done. He plays a variety of roles. Sometimes he tags, sometimes he's... Inside mid, sometimes he's outside. Sometimes he plays, goes back and plays on a back flank. He's just a really quality player that kind of doesn't get the recognition. And someone, if we don't put time into, he's just he's going to have the you know the twenty five possessions, eight marks, you know, couple inside fifties, and he's just going to play his role while the bigger names kind of shine around him. But he's going to be the guy that that helps those better players play to that level. So. I think someone, in terms of their versatility and their size that could go with him would be Langford, Kyle Langford. He can play inside, can play on a wing, can kind of go forward with needed, you know, kind of maybe look to kick a goal on him there. So he'd be someone that I'd, I'd look to send to, to Jack Crisp. Yep. And time for three questions now. So we've spoken a little bit about this, but surely we bring in a Ruckman against Grundy this week. It's Surely it's time that we uh, give Peter Wright sort of a bit of a reprieve and let him play his position that he's more natural in and we bring in the Ruckman. So I suppose suppose we've already spoken about Phillips and both of us agree that it's probably not the right week to bring in Brian for a debut, but that really only leaves us with Phillips. He played out the game really well in the BFL, so he's over whatever injury that saw him not cited for a while and uh, this has got to be the week (laughs) that he comes in, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see when team selection comes out because it throws a few curveballs at times. But, um, yeah. yeah, what else have we got for uh, our second question? So, um, Mason Cox uh, obviously made his debut against Essendon a couple of years ago in an Anzac Day game. Uh, took a couple of marks in that game, maybe kicked the goal, and everyone got super excited about what he 
and this potential, you know, seven-foot player could become. Uh, he hasn't really stood out. You know, he's had some moments, you know, had that, that prelim final against Richmond where he kind of stood up, but he hasn't really kind of struggled. He's been in and out of the side. Um, as we've said numerous times, and I think we, we will <laughs> unfortunately have to say I don't know, a few more times going in the future, uh, Essendon are the form makers. If you're a guy that's struggling or maybe not quite good, you come in and you play Essendon and you you kick an absolute bag and star. So um, how many if – he, if he does come in, which I think he will, uh, who do we match up on him and uh, what type of damage does he do? Yeah, I, I don't know. Cox is a hard one to match. You got to you got to go with. Uh, you'd have to go with an Andrew Phillips or a, or a um, Peter Wright, obviously during the ruck. And then if he if he drifts forward, um, I don't know. Lately, it's been Aaron Francis doing the roles, but he's going to be massively undersized. So interesting. What, what about Zach Reed? You know, got the height. He's kind of got the leap. He's a defender. You know, he's probably you know might might get a little outbodied by by Cox, but in, in the past Cox has proven that he's not a super overhead mark, so he's not going to kind of get that way. And it's kind of a good way to maybe see Reed use some smarts and some kick him and beat him the other way. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that. And um, Reed's pretty athletic, so be able to yeah maybe maybe beat him off the line and be able to run off him and create a bit more up the ground. So. Uh, that could be a good little test. It's obviously the size uh, difference, you know, physically strength-wise is there. But um, other than that, the, you know, the development of the player, it's not like he's playing on a ruckman who's grown up with the game and is uh, well experienced and, you know, towards the tail end of his career with lots of runs on the board. Like, um, you know, Mason Cox is learning the game still as well, really. So I don't hate that. Um, what's our last question there that we've got? <laughs> I think we've mentioned it a couple times ever since he's been uh, past fit to play, but is it time for uh, the knee old number 11? And I'm not talking about Damien Peveril. Uh, uh, David Zaharakis, can he come back in and once again be the saviour on Anzac Day? Yeah, this is... Uh, I think he was probably pretty close to, to pushing for senior selection. He was the sub um, for one of the games there and... Uh, He's must be close. He's going all right in the when he's played in the in the VFL. So I think I think it could be. I, I guess that leads us into maybe we'll jump straight into the possible changes because I guess his name comes up there. So uh, I guess if we start with Zarakis, maybe he comes in for a Mac Welfi. Uh, I guess similar types of players. Um, you know, while Zarakis might not play necessarily off half back um it probably gives us the opportunity to you know maybe like you said devon smith or someone like that goes back or, or what have you so um yeah i do, can you see that happening this week do you think that they they bring back a bit of experience for anzac day and maybe give guelphie a bit of a bit of a rest in the vfl oh i i think they they should definitely consider it i think uh i think guelphie had a couple of moments last week that, that weren't weren't great. And, you know, you obviously don't drop a guy off a couple of moments. But, um, yeah, maybe he's he's one of the guys gets gets dropped in order to bring in a class player like uh, David Zaharakis. He's, um, he's, I just think Zach is just too good a footballer not to 
be playing at AFL level. Um, I think he was the sub in the Sydney game, uh, was the holdover emergency for last week against Brisbane. So if he's not picked this week, he's got to he's got to play somewhere. So I don't know why you'd play him at, at VFL level. Um, you know, he's really he should be in the side. I think I think there's other guys in the side that you would look to drop or play different roles before him. And you know, he's especially with the experience we've we've got out. And we touched upon it before. You know, having a senior player in there. I think is really important. So I'd definitely bring him in. I guess we'll probably get a fair indication. Um, you know, if he doesn't line up on Saturday in the VFL game, then that's a fair indication that he uh, might play. Because, like you said, I don't think, I don't think that they're going to um, rest him or put him as a sub again. Because, ne- like you said, he needs to play somewhere to, to keep to keep the minutes ticking over. So I guess the team will be out by then anyway. But uh, yeah, I can definitely see him coming in. We we already spoke about our opinion that Andrew Phillips comes in this week and we also said that that wouldn't be at the expense of Peter Wright so I guess who who would go out for for Phillips to come in well I think you'd probably need to drop a tall right because uh, you couldn't play Phillips you know hooker you know Wright Harry Jones Zach Reed you know you know all those guys in the one side I think uh, Reed plays in defence, so he's probably safe. If we're having Wright play as a forward, that means maybe Harry Jones probably misses. He's had a couple of tough, tough games. Jones there, um, maybe maybe he's the unlucky one that gets dropped in order for us to structurally just look a bit better around the ground. Uh, so he'd be probably the, the one I'd look at and. And I, and I don't think that would be a bad thing for Harry Jones going back to the VFL and getting some minutes there. And, um, you know, because he, he's played quite well for his experience in AFL and some quieter games as well. But uh, I think going back to the VFL where he's maybe around people at the same level of development that he is, which we've spoken about in the past, I think that's not necessarily a bad thing to go back and get a bit of touch, get some confidence, have some shots on goal and then work your way back into the side, come back and do it again. So I, I don't think that's a bad thing. And I, and I don't think that, the, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be seen as a dropping based on form. I think it would just be a, a uh, team balance thing, really. So I think that would be conveyed to, to Harry and uh, it wouldn't be a bad thing. The, the other one is, uh, I guess, the force change is we know that Jordan Ridley has to go out with the concussion rule. So we've probably got a couple of options there. Um, Marty Gleeson. Marty Gleeson didn't play in the VFL on the weekend, did he? Or he did? No, no, he didn't. I think he was also like an emergency slash something type thing. But he's yeah. obviously an experienced player, kind of plays a similar role to uh, to Ridley there. So I guess if you're looking for a guy that's got a lot of experience to kind of help out what is an inexperienced backline, he'd be someone that we'd look at. And I guess another guy, we kind of mentioned him a couple of times, would be uh, Brandon Zirk Thatcher obviously was in the side for the Sydney game, got dropped, went back to the VFL. I mean, we said he took like 10, 11 marks, got 22 disposals. So maybe if they do bring in Cox and they've got my check and if, you know, they do play more forward, it might be a bit of concern about their height. And obviously with our already small back line, maybe BZT is the guy to come in. But I guess it would be a horse for courses. Uh, I'd, if I had to pick one, I'd probably go Gleason and have a BZT as an emergency. 
and then um, come, you know, game day, maybe make a call then. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think the same. I think Marty Gleeson for a bit of experience. I don't think Zerk Thatcher played the other week, but like we said the other in the last episode or the one before, I think it was, that he wasn't banging the door down in the VFL. And although he played a good game in the VFL on the weekend, um, I think Marty Gleeson's played several good games now in the pracky games and stuff. So um, I think Gleeson probably is a better fit for the role that Ridley plays, that intercepting role. I, I know that maybe since uh, injuring his ankle a few years ago, he hasn't been able to do it as well, but I think he is more capable of playing that intercept role than what Brandon Zerk Thatcher is at the moment. So, um, yeah. Um, results and margin. What's your prediction, win or loss and margin? I think that after the... Uh... Bit of media pressure that Collingwood have got this week. They might look to fire up. I don't think that Collingwood have actually played particularly poorly. Um, I just think that they've just, you know, come against some good sides and with all the things that happened in the off-season there, it's all kind of – every time they have a bit of a loss, it's going to compound a bit on them there. Uh, so I'll go Collingwood. I'll go under two goals. And I think I think Ridley's a big out. So um, – in terms of an Anzac Day medalist, um, I don't know. It'll be, uh, be interesting to see. I'll probably go, um, we'll say Darcy Moore. I reckon they'll play him forward and um, he'll kick maybe three, four. And with these votings, I think, you know, if you kick three or four, you will have a chance to get it. Um, if we if we play Peter Wright, I reckon uh, in the ruck, uh, Brody Grundy's a fair chance to get in the middle. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, I I think this is the first time I'm going to tip us this year, but I'm going to tip I'm going to tip the Bombers. I'm going to back us in, and I reckon that we get it done by five points. So I reckon it'll be another classic Anzac Day game. Um, I think the the injuries to both teams. Collingwood's got some big injuries. Um, that are out, which really helps us. Like you said, Elliot's taught us up in the past. Um, you know, to go is a good player, Taylor Adams. So I think, you know, Jeremy Howe as well. So the I think the injuries is what sort of swayed me that way. Um, so, yeah, I think us by five points. And Anzac Day Mellis, uh, I think Andy McGrath really stamps his leadership ability within footy circles and uh, and on Essendon. And um, I reckon he'll stand up and be presented the medal. So hopefully... Uh, Hopefully I'm right. Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> um, well, I think that wraps us up for another week. Uh, just a reminder, I guess, uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. If you search uh, Essendon People Podcast, um, I'm starting to put out a little bit more content on that and you'll get updates on when these podcasts are, are launched as well. So, um, yeah, follow us on that. Um, give us some feedback. And uh, that's about all I've got. Have you got anything else, Brendan? No, I don't. Just uh, just go bombers. Very good. Go Dons. <laughs> <laughs>